This is Defenders TV Podcast, Episode 50, Agent Carter, Season 2, Episode 6, Life of the Party. Welcome back, Defenders, to episode 50 of our Defenders TV podcast. We're talking about Agent Carter, episode 6 of season 2, Life of the Party. It is a bit of a party. This is our 50th episode. And we're back to where we began with just me, one of your hosts, Derek. And me, one of your other hosts, John, with a big beer in hand to celebrate our 50th podcast. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Congratulations on 50 episodes, John. No, knackered. (laughs) <laughs> I'm pretty tired from all the editing as well but. <laughs> I haven't seen daylight in 12 months <laughs> but, we've been, joking. but we've been loving it absolutely loving it uh, you will notice a, an absence of uh, Chris our third host for Defenders TV podcast uh, unfortunately we just couldn't get it together we did talk about the benefits of watching Agent Carter live every week as the episodes air on Fox TV UK at 9pm on a Thursday benefits of that is that we get to live tweet the episodes and discuss discuss the episodes as they go but unfortunately one of the drawbacks is we have to record it pretty close to the time it airs and sometimes Chris is a little bit less available to us to uh, to record those episodes yeah and sometimes so am I as well so and sometimes I have mi- not no, missed one yeah any episode of the 50 episodes I think if I have to edit the podcast I'm going to be on it basically yeah I think I've I've missed maybe one uh-huh. a couple of daredevil I think early on yeah yeah but uh, yeah, no, it, it's rare to to miss them. But it certainly, um, yeah, and it just just so happened that we we couldn't get a, a suitable time together. But Chris will be back for episode fifty one of Defenders TV podcast. Absolutely, hopefully, hopefully. But importantly, he was back for our Deadpool review episode. Which, uh, if you missed, we put it up this weekend. We're recording on Monday, the seventh of March. So uh, I believe it went out on the fifth. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that one and you and you're missing Chris's dulcet Irish tones, uh, go check it out on defenderstvpodcast.com slash iTunes. It's episode forty nine. A really fun discussion that about Deadpool. Absolutely, and um, like such a great fun film uh, and movie so like i think it just translated into our podcast i mean it was yeah Mm. sexy raunchy violent all under a non-explicit tag it certainly was it certainly was (laughs) even with that bleep i think that we had to put in yes yeah definitely yeah but i think with that you can find deadpool uh, podcast as well as all our Agent Carter Season 2 coverage over on DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes. Or you can search Defenders TV Podcast in any other good podcast catcher if you're an Android type of a person. Uh, like just, me. Yeah. yeah so just go to Beyond Pod, Podcast Addict, Player FM, and even Stitcher if you wish. Um, you can find us there. Just search Defenders TV Podcast. And obviously on all platforms, if you can review us or subscribe, then that would be fantastic. Speaking of which, to cheer us up, since Chris isn't here, uh, we did get an iTunes review. Woohoo! Yeah. And it's another one from Australia. We put a little call out after we got our last uh, our last iTunes review from Australia uh, to see if any of other Australian listeners wanted to leave us a review. And uh, one of my favourite iTunes names so far, uh, Sake is Tasty, uh, left us a review. It certainly is. Yeah, uh, thank you very much for that. Um, they say, love these guys, particularly the dulcet Irish tones that breeze through the show. They are lovers of the source material, aficionados, but they are not fanboys. Honest and critical, 
they really do a great job of discussing, investigating, and pulling apart the MCU. Hulk smash. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, Saki is tasty. Um, that's a pretty tasty review. Thank you so much. Yeah. It always helps to get reviews. It helps to just build the profile on iTunes or any of the podcast catchers. And that just helps other people find uh, the podcast, which is really, really good. And yeah. um, it gives people then the choice of podcasts to to listen to and and to subscribe to absolutely we've been very lucky with our listeners sharing the podcast and also with their feedback that they send into us on feedback at defenders tv podcast uh, which we usually talk about at the end of the episodes but we usually make a point of saying as we're getting close to the start of a new show it's really important to review us on itunes if you like what we're doing uh, just to give us a little review and give us a little boost on itunes just before a show starts it always makes sure that our our episodes show up for other people that are looking for Daredevil coverage like Daredevil Season 2, which is about to air on Netflix. Exactly. But any review is a good review, good or bad. It yeah. helps us to to learn and, and to listen to our audience and, and see what you think uh, and make sure that we're heading and, and discussing in the right direction. So all reviews and all comments are really, really good. So thank you so much to our friends in the Southern Hemisphere for posting their review. Yeah. Um, the the Anzacs, I suppose, or the Australia. I suppose it's all Australians at the moment. So we've not had a review from New Zealand. Not so uh, I think we'll try and strive for maybe a, a New Zealand uh, review as well. But um, of course, remember... Any comments are welcome, and you can always send them in to us at feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. Uh, discuss everything about Agent Carter, the Marvel Netflix shows, or the MCU or non-MCU movies uh, with us on Defenders TV Podcast. You can join our group and like our page on Facebook, just search Defenders TV Podcast or join us over on Twitter. As Derek said, we live tweet Agent Carter uh, as it airs in Ireland and the UK at 9pm every Thursday on Fox TV UK. Um, just follow us at Defenders Cast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one tiny little bit of news, which is a bit exciting because of the day that's in it. It's the 7th of March, as I said, that we're recording. And right now in Paris, France... The premiere of Daredevil is happening in front of a, uh, a media press gathering. Uh, I'd love to be there for that. Ooh, la la. Absolutely. That is great news for mm -hmm. me. Like, big, big ups to... Um Everyone in France who's getting to see that, then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, love to, love to be there. Um, right now, listeners, we haven't decided exactly how we're covering uh, Daredevil. We're hoping to get the first episode out, as usual, on the day that it airs on uh, Netflix, which is the 18th of March. Um, definitely the first episode that day. But as you may have noticed, we're on episode six of Agent Carter. Uh, there's 10 episodes in Agent Carter, so it will continue to air after Daredevil is released. So uh, our usual schedule of having uh, two or three or four episodes within the first week may have to change slightly because we do have jobs and we do have uh, time to edit required uh, after editing our after putting out our podcasts. So um, so we're just trying to work out the schedule, but we will continue to cover Agent Carter and absolutely, continue to cover Daredevil. absolutely like a chessboard. The pieces will still be there, but they might be in different positions. Exactly. But hopefully, none will be taken from the board. Nice, nice. And I think with that, I think it's time to get this party started absolutely. as we look at life of the party. Episode 6 of Agent Carter. As usual, we look at our five best 
indifferent or worst points, um, not too many worst points normally, um, of the episode and then provide any notes of anything that we feel um, is worthy of some consideration. But Derek, do you want to give us your little points on this episode? Yeah, certainly do. Uh, This episode was directed by Craig Zisk, who directed last week's episode five, I think one of our favourite episodes of the season so far. Absolutely. Yeah, and it is written by probably the person that knows Peggy Carter, the character, better than most Uh, Better than any, I'd say, of the writers. Um, It's written by Eric Pearson, who wrote the Marvel one-shot short, Agent Carter. Uh, We mentioned him a couple of times during last season's uh, discussion of Agent Carter. And also he wrote episode two with Lindsay Allen this this season. Um, Eric Pearson also wrote all of the Marvel shorts that used to appear on the Blu-rays and DVDs for all of the Marvel movies. Um, and has been involved, obviously, in the creation of the show. So absolutely hugely involved in the Marvel Cinematic yeah, Universe. R- really central to giving the fans uh, of Peggy Carter from well, Captain America, um, the first mm-hmm. Avenger, like an extra look at this feminine hero and ultimately helping to create such a buzz from that that there was this show um, commissioned by by Marvel uh, with ABC. Absolutely. And also the best Twitter handle of all of the writers on Agent Carter, Shimmy Blue Jeans. Uh, It's my favourite Twitter (laughs) handle on there. So thanks again, Eric Pearson. Uh, John, do you want to tell us what Eric gave us in this episode? Sure. After the defacing of Jason Wilkes, Peggy realises she cannot hope to save him, either on her own or without more of the zero matter. In an attempt to stabilise Wilkes, Peggy devises a desperate plan of her own, and one that requires tapping the only remaining source of zero matter, Whitney Frost, in one of the most dangerous locations for a woman in LA, the Arena Club, with the help and assistance from one of Peggy's most unexpected adversaries. Or is that her number one fan, Dottie Underwood? (laughs) Dottie is broken out of prison by Carter to put the plan into action at one of Chadwick's campaign events and is paired with the indomitable Jeeves, I mean Jarvis. As the plan is put into operation, another unexpected couple arrive at the event, Masters and Thompson, that further complicate events that has far-reaching repercussions for both Dottie and for Peggy. Meanwhile, an unusual council meeting is taking place where Whitney Frost truly proclaims her power oh, and yes. demonstrates the deadly zero matter to both the council and her ex-husband. What an episode. So much <laughs> cool stuff in here. We, uh, As John mentioned, we do our five points about this episode. Uh, each of us, usually myself, Chris and John, uh, and pick out five points that we want to talk about. I've got 15 for this episode. Uh, and we will cross over. I'm sure some, some of them are very small points and some of them are big points. But, uh, but yeah, I think we, we, I've got a lot of points to talk about. There's yeah, lots on. Like my points are all kind of the big major beats, really. Right. I mean, I just couldn't help it because I loved them so much. They were mm-hmm. kind of exciting, juicy. Um, and, I mean, to be honest, for me, I absolutely... You know, Peggy Carter is fantastic, but in... This episode, we get Dottie Underwood mm-hmm. and we get Whitney Frost, which are just awesome bad girls. Absolutely. I mean, these are like truly bad ladies mm-hmm. who um, I'm loving. Like the sass of Dottie and her kind of wit, I love. And just the confidence um, and oozing feminine confidence of Whitney Frost are just magical in yeah. all of this. Absolutely adored it and i mean 
it will be one of my points. Well, no, I better not <laughs> yeah. ruin my points. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it is that she doesn't have to touch you anymore to kill you. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. I was like, okay, step off the floor. Like, is it kind of like having to wear rubber wellies if <laughs> dealing with electricity? What is it that you have to do to stop black inky gunk stuff from infecting and infusing your body mm-hmm. like fantastic absolutely oh it was a creepy and wonderful uh, scene that one um john do you want to start us off with your first point i do i think i'm just going to take a different tack despite what i've just been saying okay. um and that is jarvis at the arena club um not only is he a good dancer uh, but he's a good dancer with Dottie Underwood, who's pretty good um, herself, I've been told, from Jarvis himself. <laughs> um, I just thought it was a really good scene. Um, just all that arena club um, scene with Jarvis, I just thought it was fabulous. From the dancing with Dottie through to him kind of whisking her away as maybe she was going to do something, maybe she wasn't going to do something to Jack Thompson, um, down to... The, the kind of advice he's trying to give to Jack Thompson, and of course Jack Thompson's just been his arsy self as usual, um, who, you know, it talks about using bicarbonate to get the stains out of uh, the, the bed linen of um, Howard Stark. You know, he says, I didn't realise this was a butler event as well. I mean, but I loved that despite just the, the snidey remarks from Jack Thompson, um, that Jarvis is there saying, you're not a political animal to Thompson. You are out of your depth. You know, this is the serious purred back moment. And I think in the arena club, that's what we see of Jarvis. We see that the fun comedy side in his interaction with, with Dottie Underwood and also with his spectacles as well, where he's kind of talking into them um, on the two-way radio to, yeah. to Peggy and Sousa, obviously in, in the, the van outside of the club. But but then you have the more kind of serious uh, aspects of Jarvis's character um, in his interaction with Jack Thompson. And for that, I really, really enjoyed uh, these scenes with Jarvis in the arena club with both his foils. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I totally agree with you. There's some fabulous scenes in here. What a great use of Jarvis as a character. Um, they can't use Peggy because she's too noticeable. Um, they, it's easy to use Jarvis because of uh, the fact that he's the butler. He would possibly be seen at these events. And to use him in that way with Jack Thompson as well, to have the, the Thompson versus Jarvis moment where he effectively says to him that Calvin Chadwick it looks for people like you who are ambitious but you you don't play in these kind of circles. He is giving them a warning, um, and Jack Thompson seems to be ignoring the fact that clearly Jarvis has been around this society a huge amount. Uh, he knows these kind of people very well, and he won't take accept the warning because of his status in society in the 50s, which but, I think is interesting. Absolutely, but Thompson says, thanks for your input, I'll be sure to forget it, and you're just like, Oh my goodness, you really are hopeless. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and you're right, it, it could actually be... It's a status thing. Thompson is not a butler, yeah. and a butler maybe be seen like a woman mm-hmm. in, in that society. You know, like a black person in that 1950s society. Yeah. It's still that idea of you know um, servitude mm-hmm. and so on. And it, it's really um, 
an interesting thing that, you know, Jarvis, in a sense, in some circles, will fit into that kind of uh, aspect of that society at that time. So yeah. um, I really like that. I mean, one of the other things... I really liked, obviously, was where Dottie was getting her hair done with the big hair dryer. Uh, and, of course, like, Jarvis is looking for a gun, um, and we see that. And then it's like, well, can I have a cane with a sword in it? And then a poison pill. And then, you know, Peggy realises that maybe there's a bit too much sensitive information being let out for... Uh, to Dotty here and turns on the hairdryer again and it's funny like I remember those things in the hairdressers mm-hmm. that uh, my mum went to I don't even know whether they still exist you don't tend to see them but maybe they do um, I'm sure they do but I just love it like it was such a great little scene the 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 silent um, charades drama and charades yeah and Dotty just there going Okay, yeah. yeah. Like, she's obviously lip-reading and <laughs> sort of getting some kind of information from it. Just fantastic. Yeah. Loved yeah. it. And I know you mentioned it slightly earlier on, but I, the blink-and-you'll-miss-it scene where uh, just after um, Dottie has said, do you want me to kill Jack Thompson? <laughs> and where Jack is speaking to Vernon Masters. Uh, and just in the background, it's almost blink-and-you'll-miss-it as Dottie walks up behind uh, Jack and very quickly uh, Jarvis walks up behind her, grabs her by the arm and moves her on. I thought it was brilliantly played so that, you know, Great. even if you missed it the first time, you'll catch it another time. I had to give a little nudge to... It was to so get, good. Know. And also Chad Michael Murray's response where it's like someone has sort of just breathed past him um, in terms of Dottie yeah. and, and he looks around to, to see where is this person or who, who's behind me? You know, there's that sense that someone's behind him, and but Jarvis has already taken away. Yeah. It's just the timing great of it timing. was really, really cool. Absolutely. Yeah, great comedy timing, definitely. Absolutely. Um, Derek, what's your first point? Uh, my first point is Dottie, the badass black widow. God, got us talk about uh, the costumes in this show, particularly in this episode. Gigi Melton uh, does the costuming for Agent Carter, did it all the way through season one and season two. Uh, fascinating uh, costume designer, um, particularly, obviously, with all the period costumes. But this episode just really showed off her style and what she does with characters, uh, particularly with Dottie, uh, which is why I called it the badass Black Widow. Did you notice her costume? Did you notice the dress that she had on? I did. Very reminiscent of the Black Widow costume, the real one with the uh, red on the front, full black dress. Her hair is now no longer blonde. Her hair is uh, a very dark red. You can see it in certain light. Uh, so just showing off that she is a Black Widow, just like Scarlett Johansson's uh, Black Widow from from the Avengers films, uh, her mm. Natasha Romanoff. And which ones do you prefer? Who do I prefer, Dottie or Scarlett Johansson? Mm. I think, Decisions. I think Dottie. I think there's no I, question. I'm, I'm with Dottie as well. And I think that's partly to do with the fact that those the Avengers films, which I do love, don't get me wrong, uh, have so many characters to feature. Yeah. Um, whereas we've seen... And not Dottie. enough time. That's exactly. the thing. There's a lot of characters in this as well. But there's eight episodes from season one and yeah. ten in season two. Yeah. No, I agree. I, like... I. Dottie, for me, is the Black Widow. Yeah. love her. I mean, even just where she talks about this cesspool of a country, you know, she's still Russian. And mm-hmm. at the heart of it, she's absolutely Russian and comrade and, and so on. And she's, she's transfixed by Peggy, but she kind of doesn't want to like America. Maybe she is liking it, but she can't 
acknowledge that or, yeah. or or say that she is. I love the fact that underlying all of this, there is a stern kind of indomitable, there's a second time I've used that word today, um, sort of Russian, Soviet Russian. I really like that. Absolutely. Um, yet she's funny. Oh, that, really good. She is absolutely hilarious. I mentioned, obviously, the moment when she says she wants to kill Jack Thompson. Uh, I'll take care of him if you want me to kind of thing. She seems to be very compliant. Um, but she has some great scenes throughout this. And there's definitely a love there between herself and Peggy. Uh, we saw it as admiration in the first series. Then towards the end of the series, she was kind of impersonating Peggy, saying that she was going to be an agent of the SSR. Uh, and now she's fulfilled that goal in this episode. She's become an agent of the SSR uh, for one night only, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, for the- one night only. Absolutely. That's a really good point, actually. Top billing for one night only. <laughs> I mean, I think as well, it's it's a deep mutual respect that she obviously doesn't hold for Jack Thompson. We saw that in the interrogation scenes absolutely. earlier on. Whereas with Peggy, she can see a kindred spirit, even though they are different. There, There is a female determination there to 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 be the best you can yeah. and for her someone an equal uh, in the ring as it were yeah. um, and she respects that and you you've seen her say that whereas with jack thompson eh-eh. yeah and i absolutely love the fact that you know she treats jarvis with you know a little bit of uh, playfulness but not but genuinely she treats him pretty well, you know. Um and I'd say that's probably because it's yes, Peggy's Jeeves. best friend. Yes, yeah, Jeeves. She calls him Jeeves, but Love that. but it is a bit of a bit of uh, friendship there between the two of them, and I think that's because it's Peggy's friend. I think she treats Jason Wilkes as, you know, a, something that she could maybe get her claws into because it's Peggy's possible boyfriend, you know. I she's think it's really got that sense about her. Absolutely. I th- I think it is that. It it's um I can accept you because you're associated with and Peggy is friends, respects you, and therefore I respect you. Yeah. 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 And speaking of her of her one-liners, a great moment when uh, Peggy gives her the necklace from Tiffany's, the million-dollar necklace. Uh, this is a choker, she says to her, that I that will, has a tracer <laughs> in it. Uh, and obviously Bridget Regan's response uh, as Dottie is, um, I will hope to pay it back in future with a choker of my own, um, which I just love. Really good little interplay between the two of them. But another, again, just a particular symbol of the Black Widow that's shown in the costuming uh, when she has that fight sequence with the three... Uh, the three members of um, of the security department or the security office for Calvin Chadwick. Uh, she takes the three of them out and flips on uh, flips up in the air, lands with the dress flowing out from underneath her, and looks exactly like a Black Widow uh, in a period Black Widow, I guess you call it. Uh, looks fantastic and so well put together. A great scene, really, really good. Uh, loved the costume, loved Dottie in this episode, and that's my first point. Uh, John, do you want to give us your second point? I do, and it is going straight in for the kill, um, or should I say, uh, five kills, which is the Council of Nine oh, well. become four. It almost has a Spice Girls ring to it. Uh, <laughs> You've made Spice Girls references I know, on two podcasts. I have so. now. It's weird. <laughs> I think I listened to an album there recently, and I can't get the the great late nineties pop tracks out of my head. Um, Not everything said on the podcast we all agree with. <laughs> <laughs> but Council of Nine um becoming four very rapidly, ex-husband Calvin, Whitney destroying the council. Mm-hmm. I absolutely loved, loved this scene. I, I 
like I'm as much a fan of Whitney Frost as I am of Dottie Underwood. And here, I just love the power that she exerts. And the fact that she's now almost like um, one of those jet things. She's pumping the Black's uh, substance from her hands and spreading it across the floor as she takes down the two guys that have come in to kind of restrain her. Um, I love the look on her face as she's she acknowledges the betrayal of her husband, oh, Calvin Chadwick. Fabulous. And just, you know, remorseless extraction of revenge from her as she kills him. Um, and I, I was thinking at the time... You know, why didn't she kill all nine? Why was that the case? And then it's, you realise, you know, she's a clever lady, um, probably more clever than I am because it took me a while to realise why she didn't necessarily kill all mm. all nine. But it's she needs Hugh Jones yeah. um, to, to get um, stuff from uh, Roxon. You know, she, she's there looking for full access on... Um, restrained access to all Roxxon facilities. And then with Mr. Hayes, who owns the newspaper, you know, that he puts out a story that says why her husband is, is dead and why these prominent members of society have gone um, and disappeared. Yeah. Um, like, she's kept the four for a purpose, and that just shows you the absolute strategic nature of Whitney Frost. She has everything strategically sort of in a row yeah. for her to, to to extract what she needs. And, like, I'm just loving it. And, again, just the, the effect of sending the substance, the zero matter, through the floors, um, it slightly reminded me of um, Austin Powers with the, the seats falling back. Um, <laughs> and it also reminded me of Jack Nicholson slightly with with the the the, the buzzer on his palm in Tim Burton's Batman where he, <laughs> where he fries someone and just the the that boardroom scene of whether it's a bunch of baddies in a corporate boardroom or or whether it's baddies in a volcanic lair with a either James Bond or or even a comedic James Bond in Austin Powers. Yeah. I, I love that kind of reminiscence of, of that kind of scene for me with this Council of Nine. Yeah. But just, you know, from start to finish, it just demonstrates how awesome Whitney Frost is. Love her. Yeah, oh, absolutely. She is fantastic in this scene. And so much going on. I think the betrayal of Calvin Chadwick itself is fantastically played. We said him. it was. Like, yeah. you know, he, he spins it that, you know, I'm trying to help you. And she is so grateful. And mm -hmm. that's it. She she thinks that... And I think that's the interesting thing here. She, You know, Whitney Frost thinks that her husband's done this great thing for her to be admitted to the council who won't accept women yeah. to come in front of them very often. And even just before they arrive, you know, she's saying, I can't go, I can't go yeah. um, to, to the council because her crack and her fissure has gone so bad. And he can, it's kind of a really tender moment between the two where he just pulls out this fascinator. And it seems a strange thing for me to be saying, um, fascinator and tenderness. But nonetheless, you know, he says, were this? And she puts it on and it hides that part of her face. And she's just overjoyed yeah. with that kind of thought from him. And then he's, he's just gone and betrayed her and, and like, 
You see it in her face when the realization falls across it that he has betrayed her. And mm-hmm. that, it just made the scene really special for me. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, no, I to- totally agree. Uh, I did have a point there that uh, Whitney Frost puts on a, uh, a new piece of headdress and the fascinator is born for decades and decades to come. Um, yeah, fantastic. It looked it looked brilliant <laughs> and what a great choice. You know, But it, it has a purpose there. Absolutely, yeah. Whereas otherwise I'm like going... Does it have a purpose? I know you never wear nice. a, you never wear a fascinator to weddings. I know that. Just grapes and a melon. <laughs> uh, love it. I was just going to go on to a small point that I had. Um, it just a really nice touch at the opening of the episode as uh, Jason Wilkes disappears at the end of last episode and then goes into what looks like the Wraith world from uh, from Lord of the oh, Rings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Um, I'm wondering, you know, that looks like a terrifying place for Jason Wilkes to go. Um, he's going to want to hold on to his his life in uh, in. Peggy's house, I suppose, or in, in Howard's house, I suppose. Uh, he's going to want to hold on to that with uh, with all hands and all fingers um, to make sure that he doesn't get dragged back to the Wraith world. Um, of, Is Middle Earth owned by Disney Marvel no. yet? No, no not yet. Okay. So it's not the Eye of Sauron. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. But I love the effect. I love that. I love that way of showing that he is terrified. Um, but I'm really intrigued to to see what he was looking at. He was looking away from Peggy's bed. Something was calling towards him. He was reaching towards it, and then Peggy shook him out of it and brought him back uh, to the real world. So I'm wondering if we'll see what was on the other side of that and whether there'll be any connection to maybe Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or to uh, possibly Doctor Strange. Yeah. Or the two towers. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. John, do you want to give your next points? Yes, Dr. Wexford, um, I presume. Oh, fantastic. Also known as Peggy Carter in disguise. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, Peggy and Dottie, I'm so glad Dottie's back. Um, And I've got to say... This was just lovely um, in the cell. The the pitter-patter of the dialogue between the two of them, um, you know, was just oh, really, really nice. Um, I love the fact that it's all sort of teed up anyway with the conversation with Sousa where it's like, I have a really bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it is turning to your worst friend or your worst enemy, I suppose, and, yeah. and having to swallow that pride and go asking for help. And just that awkwardness in the room as Dottie's beginning to figure out that, okay, you shouldn't be here and what you're doing is certainly not sanctioned by any of your superiors. You know, the glee on her um, as this opportunity arises, not only to be, as you say, um for one night, an SSR officer, or to reenact, you know, or pretend to be Peggy Carter. Mm-hmm. But it's that she can escape. And I, I love it when Peggy, or Dr. Wexford, I should say, says, then we're in agreement. I know you'll try to run, given half a chance, and I'm prepared. And Dottie goes, and I know your deportation agreement is a lie, and you can never be fully prepared for me. I... Um, you know... <laughs> And I just love that. And it all ends off with, and then we're in agreement. We'll lock you up in this cell once you finish. So yeah. basically... You'll do what I want, yeah. and then I'll lock you back up. Yeah. And I love <laughs> then, you know, take a right. Dottie goes left and gets netted by Sousa. I love the fact that 
you know, the, the magnets were cool for, for Dottie to escape, sort of just moving that all around to the mechanism to unlock the door, finds the guard slouched, and it's like, Peggy, you're no fun because she's mm-hmm. taking the gun. I love all of this kind of, you know, better the devil you know kind of thing um, in, in this whole scene where Peggy knows she can rely on her because ultimately we need a highly skilled unknown face who can blend in with the glamour yep. of the arena club. And that's that is the Duffy. best way of describing Dottie. That is Dottie's modus it. operandi. Yeah, um, absolutely. Dottie throughout this was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, loved it. Yeah, yeah. without a doubt, a couple of other great moments in there from her as well. Uh, love, there's a brilliant shot. I'll just use it as my next point. There's a brilliant shot. Uh, a body is dropped on top of the surveillance fa- van where uh, Peggy and, um, and Daniel Souza are sitting. Uh, and it, cuts from the body back up to the window um does a great pan up shot through the window into the fight uh, between Dottie and the and the agents uh, just a fantastic opening to a scene something kind of reminiscent of the kind of daredevil fights that we used to see on on daredevil season one yeah yeah uh, i thought a really well put together scene um a little different kind of editing for for uh for that um for that particular fight but uh but i loved that scene it felt, it felt really visceral and, v- and really action orientated for this show uh really good and it interrupts a kiss potentially between Souza and peggy um you know this is one of my points mm-hmm. but i love the fact that the kiss was interrupted by a body slamming onto the roof of the the um the van Absolutely. the undercover van it, it was just like perfectly summed up uh, what would happen here in Agent Carter and the fact that it's a comedy moment but it's also coming from a brutal moment the fact that Dottie is kicking you know seven bells out of uh, two FBI agents that have been set on her by Vernon Masters but you know within the van you've got this really intense um conversation happening between Susa, which Peggy doesn't realize that she is the center of it to begin with. You know, mm-hmm. I will go around to Violet and tell her what the hell is she doing? And it's like Susa has to break into it. It's because she's broken up the engagement because she thinks I'm still in love with you. Yeah. Um, and we looked like we were going to see um, a part of that taking place with oh, a little no. uh, lean in for a good old snog. Um, yeah, and then brutally interrupted by a dead body dead on the roof. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, this is obviously one of my other points from the episode as well. Um, I kind of just love how uh, Peggy is written in this scene because she's also um, she's also trying to dodge the fact that she has some feelings for uh, for Daniel Souza. Absolutely, I love that she says, uh, as Daniel says to her, um, the engagement is broken off by Violet. She says to Daniel. Who does Violet think she is that she can do any better than you? Uh, it's a very specific way of putting yeah. that question to Daniel Souza. There's definitely something between them. There always has been, uh, but we just kind of thought it was it was broken now. She's got Jason, uh, who's another fantastic guy for her, but he's phasing in and out of reality at the moment, I guess, going after the Wraith world and back. No, absolutely. Um, but the thing I really liked um, about Jason Wilkes in this is that I think he potentially sees... Um, the the connection between Sousa and Peggy that Violet saw in the previous episode. Mm. Uh, you know, once they've returned back to Howard Stark's house, and um, there's a moment there when um, Jack Thompson arrives and Sousa is there saying, "Look, don't go out to him. You don't need to." 
I, you know, I'll be his next port of call. I can take the heat for you. And there's a moment where she grabs his arm and he's kind of looking at her that Wilkes just kind of pulls back and senses something. And I love the fact that that was the same kind of um, situation that Violet came upon in her house as well. Right, yeah, yeah. But so sad to miss out on the Peggy and Daniel kiss. I wonder, is that that it or will we uh, possibly get another moment later on in the season? Absolutely. Or mm. what will happen with um, Jason Wilkes? You know, yeah. is he going to become phased in uh, or something, you know, by episode 12 and mm-hmm. they live happily ever after making multiple babies? <laughs> yes. So, Derek, what's your next point? Uh, my next point is actually about the gadgets. You mentioned a few of them. Um but I love it. I, I used to read the um, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. comic books, the, the ones that have been in Strange Tales, which are in, written in the 60s, uh, 65, 66, and really based around the kind of gadgets that you'd see um, in that, that kind of era, all developed by, at the time, Tony Stark in the comic books. But uh, obviously, Howard Stark is, is the developer of some of these gadgets. The SSR, um, Dr. Samberly develops some of the gadgets as well. Um, but I love them. There's some really cool ones. The blunderbuss um, that uh, that Daniel uses to take down Dottie, yeah. uh, which is a net filled with um, uh, electrocution, essentially. Yeah. Uh, the net lands on top of Dottie. Uh, they electrocute her, and then <laughs> Peggy gets a little oh. bit of extra electrocution in. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Um, I love the door unlocker, which you mentioned. I love the idea oh, of brilliant. here's two magnets that will yeah. turn the door. That's something straight out of the S.H.I.E.L.D. comic books. Uh, it looks completely unwieldy. I'm sure they'd have... Oh, the Doctor Strange comic books. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's something like you would never see something like that in the new Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show because they have you know a button you'd press and the, all the doors in the place would open. You know, that they have... Their technology is so far advanced beyond that but i love these little practical kind of gadgets that you go i can kind of see how that works i can see how what would be behind that you know yeah the the magnets to open up the the door mechanism of dotty's cell was great it was a great idea wasn't yeah. it um and then the last one that, that i got in there anyway was the uh the va- the vacuum powered blood extractor uh which i thought was great because they still don't have them now um I just got my blood taken a couple of months ago and it was uh, it was just a syringe that was in my arm. Um, I like a kind of vacuum parrot thing that could just stab into my arm and just uh, it would be gone in two seconds. That would be quite nice. I think most people would be interested in that, but developed for one little plan in the SSR and probably put in storage, uh, unfortunately. But yeah, loved the gadgets. It really did feel like something out of um, out of Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, comic books. So that's kind of what I was really looking for in the first season when Agent Carter came around. I was expecting this to be a much more period-based version of Nick Fury out in the shield, except obviously Peggy Carter being that character. So great to see these gadgets taking place in the, in this show. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool to see that, definitely. John, what's your final point? My final point is Thompson and Masters, the male couple at the arena club. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this was really, really interesting. I'm still intrigued by Vernon Masters and his role to play here. Um, you know, how big is he in the Council of Nine or the arena club? You know, to what extent is he is he the Council of Nine's boss or does he liaise between the Council of Nine and and his boss? Like... What's his role? Is he simply just the head of the FBI or not? I mean, I love the fact that he certainly 
is part of the Council of Nine's organization, whatever that may be. Yeah. But is he in charge of them? Is he a, an intermediary, or is he just a, a tool for use by them? It would be He's really interesting. Tool, yeah. Definitely, and be interesting to see that because I mean, I love when he says to Jack Thompson, where you know he's obviously trying to bring expand his network in, in uh, the world of government and espionage. But, you know, he says these people who can change the world are beginning to hear your name. It's a, it's just a really great kind of Machiavellian sort of politic maker um, and um, doer here, yeah. I think, from, from Vernon Masters that... You know, he, he's the person that gets things done. He's, he, and I love that kind of relationship that he's got with Jack, this kind of, this underling who's trying to really sort of, uh, embed in this infrastructure or this yeah. network. And, um, but even just, you know, where he says, we need to take her out. And Jack's immediate thought is that kill her. And it's like, no, that would be morally and strategically wrong. Um, and I love that kind of, because I love that kind of dialogue that they had, because immediately, as soon as he said, take her out, I was exactly with Jack there. I was like, oh my God, that he's going to try and command Jack or the SSR or the FBI to try and take down and kill Peggy Carter. Mm-hmm. But he's more subtle than that. He, yeah. He's more manipulative. And, you know, he's there saying, no, destroy the thought, the concept of Peggy Carter, you know, dish up some dirt and of course then he realizes that peggy has dirt on jack in in respect to his world war ii record in the pacific so it's really really interesting yeah, yeah. um how that will play out and that is something i'm really looking forward to because i, I felt we've just got a bit more of vernon masters but the writers are still keeping him a little bit nefarious a little bit smoky in relation to his role here you know mm-hmm. is he the big bad is he just simply the fbi taking over from the ssr and it sort of sub- subsuming the ssr or is he working for a hydra or type organization that's Scorpio, influencing yeah, yeah or Scorpio mm-hmm. exactly like Ooh. this will be really cool to find out and I will give a huge thanks to the makers of the show for finally giving us a scene with Ray Wise and Kurtwood Smith uh, loved Kurtwood Smith right back to Robocop liked him in and that 70s show absolutely uh, loved Ray Wise to back to uh, Twin Peaks oh, where yeah. he played Leland Palmer uh, I don't want to spoil the ending of that show <sighs> but I love Leland Palmer and um, and I loved having these two characters together on screen for the first yeah. time. But they were still holding back. I'm still expecting that they're going to be another big scene with these two actors. They're great together. They are um, fantastic yeah. together. And I I mean, it's even just, you know, that's where trouble is brewing for Peggy Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's now why Vernon Masters and Jack realize that Peggy is, you know, is not just taking a holiday leave, um, but is embroiling herself in the 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 machinations of Roxon and the head of Roxon yeah. here with Hugh Jones. Um, really, really good, and I mean, ultimately leads to that great line as well that um, to fight lever you fight leverage with leverage. This idea that you know Peggy has got to watch her back now. Mm-hmm. This has you know, important consequences for her moving forward. Not only is there Whitney Frost to contend with, but now, you know, the Arena Club, 
what's left of the Council of Nine are also onto her, along with Vernon Masters and the FBI. Yeah. Um, she's really got to be careful in this 1950s um, communist paranoia. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that does bring me to my final point, which is a good connection. Uh, not a huge one, but Peggy's left the SSR. Peggy's no longer a member of the SSR. She has resigned. Um, interesting moment with uh, with Jack Thompson where he tells her to get on the plane and come back to yes. New York, leave all this. And uh, and Peggy says, well, it's not a great market for women like me in, uh, in the US at the moment, but I can find something else. So does that mean she's resigned? Is that kind of an informal resignation? Is she free to move on to start up Shield with with Howard Stark now, or is it just kind of a calling Jack Thompson's bluff, um, which I think is a really interesting. It's really moment. interesting, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we'll obviously see that moving forward, but mm-hmm. no, absolutely. I, that pitter patter between Jack Thompson and Peggy at Howard Stark's house, mm-hmm. I really, really liked, and I, I think that's the thing. All the, I mean, they're all great actors and they're all interacting so well in this yeah. show. And I think that it's it's a sign that it's... It, I might be totally wrong. I have no idea. But for me, it just feels like it's a sign that as a, as a project, um, as a production, they're all very much at ease with one another. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, I'm assuming that they get on. I mean, we obviously know that uh, Hayley Atwell and James Darcy do. I mean, even just at New York Comic Con where they did the the spoof um, at why they couldn't be at um, New York Comic Con for the Asian Carter um, premiere and they're behind a green screen and they're kind of, you know, joking and it ends up being a joke. Like, that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And I, I just have a feeling that everyone seems to at least be absolutely fully invested and really get along on this. Absolutely. Um, but that pitter-patter where Jack is essentially giving her a way out, he's kind of giving her a final warning, um, is, is really good. And, I mean, ultimately portends to something uh, much worse where he says, you know, if you carry on, you'll lose and you won't even see it coming. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering whether we as an audience won't see it coming as it just, well it just reminded me of the mandarin i can't whenever anybody says yeah. you can't <laughs> see it coming it just reminds me of mandarin from iron man 3 uh, so maybe jack thompson will turn out to be the actor formerly known as trevor slattery <laughs> it's just from uh, the golden era yeah he'll pull off his mask and it'll turn out to be um ben kingsley or something like that i don't think that might ruin the ruin the show for a lot of people well, that but we'll be never awesome. see it coming i love trevor slattery i, I love that reveal I yeah. know there's a lot of people that didn't, but I was down with it. I thought it was great. I thought it was great, and I think I, I don't know. I don't want to speak for the fans who didn't uh, didn't get it or are annoyed for it. But Aldrich Killian is the Mandarin in that film, and that's what the it, that's why Trevor was employed. Right, the whole point is that Trevor's employed to use to use the name Mandarin, but it is Aldrich, Aldrich Killian. He's playing the part of the Mandarin in real in real terms. It's a decoy. Anyway, enough of Iron Man 3 and enough of our top five points. Uh, Jack, do you have any notes about this episode? I do. I have one. Um, and that's, I actually really enjoyed the very brief moment we spent with Anna Jarvis. Um, yeah. Like, she seemed genuinely afraid for, for Jarvis's safety as he's going out into the field with Dottie Underwood. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all comes about because Jarvis is asking for a weapon, mm-hmm. uh, a sidearm. And, I mean, that I, I just really liked that 
little inflection of the character because, you know, otherwise he is a butler at Howard Stock's mansion. He's dealing with very humdrum kind of stuff day in, day out. But he's also got this other alter ego, if you will, um, in terms of being, uh, you know, an assistant uh, on the science bench to... um, to Howard, but also being the assistant and helper and, and and partner ultimately of Peggy Carter, and I really liked that, and I, I kind of liked her interaction with um, building uh, stuff the the vacuum injector thing with Wilkes, yeah, um, and I love the fact she says kind of every detail matters in art and science, precision is everything. I thought it was just a nice little quote mm-hmm. from from the episode. So that's that's my only note. Yeah, no, I, I definitely like that as well. I like that it was also Jason Wilkes talking to Anna and saying to her, you know, ah, oh, they'll be fine if everything goes perfectly. Otherwise, they'll all die, <laughs> which which is what sparks Anna to go uh, to get really worried about about Jarvis. Yeah, really good. Just one little note. I know we mentioned Jack Thompson a couple of times during during this discussion, but uh, he's fantastic in this episode. I know I really do dislike the character, but I love the actor and I love the little touches that they have in there. Uh, one of the things I like, just a quick note about his performance, I love how quickly Jack realizes that Jarvis is playing him and that he is uh, infiltrating um, the party because he looks at him and goes, well, you never wore glasses before. Um, you see, you're always connected with Peggy and she's not here at the moment. Um, so he goes instantly, well, clearly I'm going to have to secure the perimeter because I know Peggy's involved somehow. You wouldn't be here otherwise. Uh, very good nod to, again, the intelligence of Jack Thompson. He is obviously the leader of the SSR. There is a reason for that. You know, he is a good detective. He's just generally pushes people out of his way to get there, you know, and pushes and steps on people to get there. So. That's why we don't like him, obviously. But, um, but I do like that little nod to uh, to the character. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, the other thing is the hairdryer um, on Dotty right. Underwood's head. There was a Mars Attacks element to <laughs> this to me, which um, I really kind of just chuckled to myself. At. Uh-huh. It reminded me of the Martian girl, yes. um, who kind of sways as she walks with her arms out front. Um, yeah, it, it kind of... It's real oozed, 50s. Yeah, yeah, it oozed uh, Mars Attacks, and I love that. <laughs> it made me chuckle. Very good. And then the final note for this particular episode is just simply the ending of the episode. Oh, Whitney yeah. Frost now has Dottie Underwood. Will she be able to control Dottie Underwood? Is going to use her as, as a weapon for her? Uh, she's got the Council of Four underneath her now. Um, what's she going to do with Dottie? Killer, interrogator. I mean, that's the thing. The possibilities on this are endless. Uh-huh. My two favorite bad ladies on any show are suddenly together. Yeah. They're going to team up. Is Dotty going to love a strong woman? Exactly. Is Dotty going to go? I prefer you to Peggy now. Is mm. she going to knock her over the head and whip her back to Russia for Stalin as you know second prize? Uh, what's going to happen here? Like. Right. Really interesting nice, to see. Nice little cliffhanger. But let's not leave the listeners with a cliffhanger. John, do you defend this episode of Agent Carter? I really do. Like, this to me is like really 
ongoing, solid writing, acting, directing, production, all of those things, I really, really do defend this episode of Agent Carter. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to give this another whopping um, 4.5 fascinators out of 5. I am fascinated, fascinated, fascinated (laughs) by this episode. It, It really sort of just, it just builds everything. It moves things along every one of these episodes is so tight and it's really solid and it feels like an episode in itself yet it's connecting backwards and forwards i really really enjoyed this and in particular um you know the the three main ladies whitney dotty and peggy all for me are just absolute standouts mm-hmm. and i think jarvis's interaction with all three of them or at least you know directly or indirectly is really 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 cool um and i'm just absolutely loving that and you get then the heart strings tugged over susan and peggy yeah and you know you have something so close yet whisked away but not just whisked away whisked away with a body being punched kicked thrown out of a top floor window by Dottie onto the roof of the surveillance van. Love it. Absolutely love this um, episode so much. So, yeah, defend it totally. Derek, the question is, though, do you defend this episode of Agent Carter? Of course I do. This was fantastic. I loved it. I love a good heist. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of Ocean's Eleven. I'm a big fan of the setup and the plan. The uh, the working with your uh, with your nearest enemy, I suppose the uh, whoever's your enemy's enemy is your friend kind of thing. Uh, I love that concept, and it was so well executed. Uh, having Jarvis, you know, trying to be a kind of play acting at being a spy, um, but now he's on his own, and he's with a person that doesn't protect him here. It, uh, he has no protection from the outside elements. He's left completely on his own, uh, and he really does accomplish a lot. He really does uh, take care of the situation quite well. Remember, he again is the one that gets the vial of blood here. He last week he's the he was the one that got the um, that got the nuclear weapons disarmed um, and was put in that situation. That is true. You know, he's, Absolutely, he's truly a hero in the show coming through. Uh, even though his circumstances wouldn't dictate that's the kind of person he is. Uh, totally with you on on the points about about Dottie, fantastic about Whitney Frost, so dark and evil yet. There's a tenderness about her. Again, you spoke a couple of weeks ago about the porcelain nature of uh, the actress herself and and how she looks so um, so innocent and fragile. Uh, in this episode, you see that fragility slightly crack further again as her face is cracking uh, by the betrayal of the one person she trusted. And then she takes out the council, five of the council of nine, uh, including her husband, and takes the leadership of this council now. Um, I love Whitney Frost. I love Dottie Underwood. They're some of the best characters that I've that I've seen on TV. Um, really, really good show and really, really good episode. Really enjoyed it. Um, can't can't recommend it enough. I hope everybody's watching on with us, and I hope we're going to get a season three of yeah, Agent Carter. Absolutely. I hope everyone's enjoying it as much as we are. This is really going great guns at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. We've still got four more episodes to go of Agent Carter. Uh, As I mentioned earlier on, we will be covering Daredevil uh, as it comes out on Netflix from the 18th of March. Uh, But we will continue to cover Agent Carter because we enjoy it so much and we know a lot of our listeners do as well. Uh, With that, I think that's a good way to crack into our feedback for this week. 
So our feedback this week comes from Ronaldo. Uh, Ronaldo says, Hi guys, another stellar episode to follow the highly enjoyable episode 5 last week. I think Agent Carter has well and truly hit the groove for balancing good storytelling, action, comedy and character development. So many things to talk about, so I'll just do some quick fire points of things that stood out. So since Chris isn't here, Ronaldo has given his top 5 for this episode. Absolutely. Oh, that's pretty good. Thanks, Ronaldo. Uh, so, number one, he says, solid acting. I'm very impressed with how the characters are rounding out and the nuances that the actors Bridget Regan, Wynne Everett, and Curry Graham bring to their roles. Bridget Regan exudes confidence and lethality as the dangerous Dottie. Absolutely. Whenever it's look on her face towards the council, as she presented her intent, showed a desperation, joy, and fear all at once. And Calvin's veneer of admiration to screen his fear of Whitney was perfectly summed up when Whitney promises to thank him properly later, to which he replies, can't wait. Only small, slight inconsistency I picked up was Calvin's reaction to Whitney consuming part of the council. He looked more like he was about to laugh instead of showing terror. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't spot that, I have to say, but I'll have to have another look. Uh, He was dispatched pretty quickly after that. So, uh, yeah, maybe it was one of those nervous laughs he was trying to try to get across. Ronaldo's number two. He says, uh, is it wrong to root for the villain? Can't get enough of Dottie and loved how we saw the protagonist and antagonist, at least from season one, team up. Dottie just looks so dangerous and untrustworthy, but a bit of me loves the fact that she's on our side. Kind of reminds me of when Eddie Brock teamed up with Spider-Man. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As always, always those great Marvel moments when you have the villain and and hero team up versus the, uh, the other villain. It's always, always great. Number three, he says, Hugh Jones' estate. Is it just me or was everyone else run- wondering if Hugh Jones was indeed brain damaged from the previous episode? Uh, couldn't help but smirk every time he came on screen. I know what you mean. There were some some interesting moments. I like, you know, when Whitney takes over the uh, the council and he he stops and says, um, on behalf of everybody here, I like your plan and I'm going to be here for to do whatever you want to do. That doesn't seem like the Hugh Jones we've seen. So maybe a really good thought there. That's uh, yeah. that, uh, Ronaldo. Very good. Uh, number four, he says, Frost's power on power blades. Gotta love the convenience of Frost powers to take care of uh, any nasty corp- corpses. No mess, no fuss. Like it. <laughs> so yeah. just a, a nice uh, deletion of the characters, uh, bringing them all back inside herself. We still haven't seen if there's any effect on Whitney Frost yet um, of, of taking in all these bodies and rats inside herself. No, but there is that moment in this episode where she's talking to herself just before Calvin gives her right. the, the, the fascination um, where she's does seem to be disturbed like she she's is she talking through something is she talking with voices in her head it, what is she just speaking to herself what is she doing but mm-hmm. it's definitely kind of the most um, disturbing look at Whitney I think that we've had in terms of how she's dealing with just being infused with this black substance and obviously rats and other people yeah like is that part of the toll that she's um, having to give uh, for each of these extractions, not just the the, the, the increasing size of the crack and the fissure yeah. on her face, but that her mind is, is beginning to maybe just get disrupted a bit. Yeah. Um, Did catch a couple of things she was saying. She was talking about Peggy. She was talking about this woman ruining everything for her. You know, she was really uh, getting very aggressive. But it did deliver one of my favourite Whitney lines uh, when Calvin says to her, are you okay? And she says, does anything about anything that's happened to me over the last few weeks make you think yeah. I could possibly be okay? Um, and it's a really good, really well delivered line uh, back to Calvin. But um, really enjoyed that. Um, 
Back to Ronaldo. Ronaldo's fifth and final point, he says, Jarvis still. Despite what I may have thought a couple of weeks ago with regards to Jarvis's comic relief, I must say I really enjoyed this episode and it didn't seem forced. Favourite bit was the visual comedy gag as Dottie watches on with Jarvis acting out all his preferred weapons oh, of choice. Big time. Yeah, excellent, excellent stuff. Uh, all in all, a wonderful 42 minutes again. I really do hope they do a season three. Best regards, Ronaldo. Absolutely, and I think we have to say, Ronaldo, with that, do you defend this episode of Agent Carter with those five points? Um, I think of does. course you do. Yeah, I think he does yeah. as well. But thank you so much for, for all that feedback, uh, Ronaldo. It's really, really appreciated. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you want to send us your feedback, you can email us at feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. Come join our group over on Facebook. We will be setting up our uh, our preview discussion about uh, Daredevil pretty soon uh, setting up areas for people to discuss the episodes as they watch them uh, so that they don't spoil anybody or ourselves as we're catching up on the episodes um, just find us at Defenders TV Podcast and come join the group over there uh, otherwise you can follow us over on Twitter at DefendersCast and of course it would be remiss of me not to say that you can download subscribe or review our podcast at Defenders TV Podcast dot com forward slash iTunes or by searching Defenders TV podcast on any other good podcast catcher. With that, I'm going to say yes, sir, Jeeves, and thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will be back with you uh, for the next episode. Absolutely. No rest for the weary or wounded until the job is done. Thanks very much for listening. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye. Uh, loved the costume, loved Dottie in this episode. That's my, that'd be my first point. <laughs> <laughs> to be sure, we're, to be sure. We're coming sure. up to St. Patrick's Day. And that's my first point. This has been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network production. For more information, head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it. Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickeringwith to subscribe to the Flickering Myth movie show. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.